Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week four, day four of our study of Isaiah. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Isaiah 13. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start? Jesus, we want to see you in your word today. Would you, would you show us, would you give us revelation of the knowledge of you in your word? In your name we pray, amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. We'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Isaiah 13, starting in verse 1. A prophecy against Babylon that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. Raise a banner on a bare hilltop. Shout to them, beckon to them to enter the gates of the nobles. Let's pause right there. So we've just been talking about Assyria so far. So in 12 chapters of Isaiah, we've prophesied against Israel and against the northern kingdom of Israel and Aram, the Arameans making a pact together to come and attack Jerusalem. And then the Lord has prophesied that the Assyrians are going to attack the Arameans and the Israelites, which happened, and take them away. And then the Lord prophesied that the Assyrians are going to get carried away because they came against Jerusalem and they disciplined the people of Israel in the north. And then the Lord, through Isaiah, prophesied that all of that, the Lord's going to have mercy on Israel again. And then one day, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem and everyone's going to be happy about it. Proclaim it to the nations. And now we switch and say a prophecy against Babylon. And so at the time that Isaiah is prophesying this, Babylon exists. Babylon exists. But Babylon is by no means like the world power. They're there. The Assyrians have essentially control over the Babylonians. But we know that the Babylonians are going to raise up under Nebuchadnezzar the Great, Nebuchadnezzar the Second, um, Please, Nebuchadnezzar the Second. He's going to raise up and he's going to attack Assyria and conquer and he's going to, he's going to go on this massive conquering campaign in a very short period of time a very short period of time in fact Nebuchadnezzar the great is probably second only to um the Greeks and Alexander the great as far as how much and how fast was conquered probably a distant second to Alexander the great but but Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar is going to conquer a lot in a hurry in a hurry, right? So now Isaiah is prophesying against Babylon. I'm sure everyone that's listening to this is like, I mean, Babylon, way over there, they're nothing. What are you talking about? And he's like, trust me, trust me. The Lord is prophesying against Babylon for what they're going to do. And against the same kind of thing, right? They're going to come and they're going to carry away the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And the Lord is going to use them in the same way he used Assyria in the north. He's going to use Babylon, but then he's going to punish Babylon for their arrogance in defeating Israel and defeating Judah. Verse two, raise a banner on a bare hilltop, shout to them, beckon to them to enter the gates, of the nobles. Verse three, I have commanded those I prepared for battle. I have summoned my warriors to carry out my wrath. Those who rejoice in my triumph. So again, the Lord is saying, you're the tool that I'm going to use. I have made you my warriors to carry out my wrath, right? So same thing as Assyria. Verse four, Listen, a noise on the mountains, like that of a great multitude. Listen, an uproar among the kingdoms, like nations massing together. The Lord Almighty is mustering an army for war. 
They come from faraway lands, from the ends of the heavens, Lord and the weapons of his wrath to destroy the whole country. Wail for what Paul's right there, right? Babylon's a long way away from Israel, not just because they're as the crow flies a long way away, but because you don't really cross the Syrian desert. Nobody who wants to live crosses the Syrian desert. They go across what's the fertile called the fertile crescent, meaning they go north through uh, from so so Babylon is essentially Iraq. They're going to go north uh, through uh, parts of Western Iran into like Turkey into Northern Syria and then down into Israel. That's where you go. If you cross the Syrian desert, there's nothing there. There's never been anything there as far as we know. And people didn't go directly across that. They crossed the fertile, what we call the fertile crescent. And so they're making this kind of like crescent shape path to get to Israel. Right. So they're a long way away. It's like, what are we talking about? Who's Babylon? Why, why are we talking about Babylon? Right. Verse six, wail for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the almighty. Because of this, all hands will go limp. Every heart will melt with fear. Terror will seize them. Pain and anguish will grip them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at each other, their faces aflame. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. So let's pause right there. This this is an interesting prophecy, right? He's prophesying against Babylon, but now he's switching and he's he's talking about this cruel day of wrath and fierce anger. And then he's giving us a hint about the time period that we might be prophesying toward because he says, the stars of heaven and the constellations will not show their light. And that's something that's never happened, but it's something that Jesus in the Gospels prophesies, something that Revelation prophesies, that in these last days, things are going to get so crazy that the stars are going to fall from heaven, whatever that means, and they're going to cease giving their light. Like There's going to be a day where there won't be any more stars, and it's not because we can't see them because of clouds or something like this, because they're not there. And so... It seems like we're prophesying against Babylon, but we're also prophesying maybe very far into the future, like the end times kind of future, right? So we've got contemporary, not even contemporary, we've got future prophecy about Babylon when they come and destroy Israel, what the Lord's going to do to them for that. But then we've got distant prophecy, and it's all going on in the same passage. Continuing in verse 10, the rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. So now we've moved from a prophecy against Babylon to the entire world. And this is very interesting unless we can add to this our knowledge of the book of Revelation where this sounds very much exactly like what the Lord is speaking in the book of Revelation. There's a Babylon in the book of Revelation and it somehow infected the entire world with its sinfulness and then the entire world is actually going to try and fight against the Messiah. He's saying he's going to punish the world for their sins and for the sins of Babylon. Continuing in verse 11, I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. I will make the make people scarcer than pure gold, more rare than the gold of Ophir. Again, 
We know that by the end of the Great Tribulation, half of the population of the earth has died. And then in the last 30, 45 days or so of the book of Revelation, when the Lord Jesus himself sits foot on the earth, he's going to exact justice and he's going to start putting to death the people who have made war against him and his saints and saying, if he had not stopped the tribulation, all of this short, there wouldn't be anyone left. And so here Isaiah is saying, people are going to be scarcer than gold. They're going to be rare. That's a wild thing to think about. This is in this end times leading up into eternity. Verse 13, therefore I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. Again, this sounds very, very end times. Something greater than just the Lord coming against Assyria and coming against Babylon for what they did. This this is something more than that. Verse 14, like a hunted gazelle, like the sheep without a shepherd, they will all return to their own people. They will flee to their native land. Whoever is, is captured will be thrust through. All who are caught will fall by the sword. Their infants will be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be looted and their wives violated. This is, this just sounds terrible. There's just no two ways about this. This passage just sounds awful. And, and now it's kind of like, wait a second, what are we talking about? Because we've now shifted back because this doesn't sound like end times, especially when we put it together with what we're about to see. It's like, we're almost like we're flipping back and forth. And that is some of the funny way that Isaiah and and the Lord actually, not just Isaiah, but the Lord speaks prophecies. Sometimes we're talking about multiple different seasons of time at the same time, right? It feels like we've gone to the end times, what the Lord is going to do to Babylon as spoken of in the book of Revelation. And now we're talking about things that the Lord's not going to be doing. The Lord's army in the book of Revelation are not going to be violating people's wives. Let the reader understand what that means. So now we flip back to something else. And so it's either was all of that talking about maybe not the end times, but what was going to happen to Babylon with the Persians or, 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 or was we talking about the future for us, the end times. And we're talking about the Babylonian fall to the Persians. And, And so that's where we really have to, to, look at this and understand this This is where Isaiah is a a, a slow churn. Well, I've cut this in half and we're reading half of Isaiah once a week for 10 weeks. And the second half we'll do later because there's just so much here and it's not just a straight narrative It's so much here to try and digest. And so I think both of these things are going on here. See what I mean here in verse 17. See, I will stir up against them. The Medes who do not care for silver and have no delight in gold. Their bows will strike down the young men. They will have no mercy on infants, nor will they look with compassion on children. Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the pride and glory of the Babylonians will be overthrown by God, like Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Fire raining down from heaven. Again, so this is difficult because we know This is Isaiah prophesying into the future. None of this has happened, 
right? The Medes and the Persians. We know all of these kingdoms. Babylon's not really a world power yet, and the Persians certainly aren't. They all exist, but they're not world powers. But we know that Babylon conquers Assyria, and the Medes and the Persians conquer Babylon. And it happens quickly. It happens in, in one day. It's an amazing story that the Persians conquered Babylon literally overnight. They snuck in the, the gates of the great city of Babylon and went through while everyone's drunk. It's recorded in the book of Daniel. This actually happened, and it happened literally overnight. But now we're throwing something else in there saying that Babylon is going to be destroyed instantly like Sodom and Gomorrah was. We know that Sodom and Gomorrah was instantly destroyed by burning sulfur, like fireballs raining down from heaven. And that's, again, exactly the description that we get in the book of Revelation that Babylon in one hour, Revelation says in one hour, Babylon fell. It almost sounds like this nuclear disaster, things raining down from heaven. We're not sure what exactly it means in the book of Revelation, but it's like Babylon will be destroyed almost instantly. And so it's, again, the same thing that's being said here, but we're talking about the Medes and the Persians. And so, again, it's like mixing these two different timelines, but it's the same story. It's the same story. And that's what we have to keep in mind. Verse 20, she will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. There, no nomads will pitch their tents. There, no shepherds will rest their flocks. So this is the interesting part, right? Because after the Medes and the Persians, they conquer Babylon. Um, Babylon exists as a city for centuries and centuries. Alexander the Great conquers Babylon. In fact, Alexander the Great dies in the city of Babylon. For centuries after that, Babylon exists. There were tons and tons of Jews that fled to Babylon after the Roman invasion. There's people there. There, there were so many Jews there that after the temple was lost, the oral law, the oral tradition, they said, we need to write this down. And so the prevailing law, the prevailing book of Jewish people, if you are a, a, a practicing Jew and you're reading the Talmud, the writings, uh, the teachings that are the interpretation, extra stories that go along with the scripture itself, it's called the most of the, the kind of the authoritative source of that is called the Babylonian Talmud. It was written in the city of Babylon. Babylon was inhabited for centuries after the Medes and the Persians took it. But this sounds exactly like what's going to happen in the book of Revelation, something that hasn't happened yet. Now, the interesting thing is for generations, Babylon hasn't existed. It has been kind of like this, but it wasn't like this immediately after the Persians took it over. So it seems like this is still talking about something in the future. Verse 21, but desert creatures will lie there. Jackals will fill her houses. There the owls will dwell and there the wild goats will leap about. Hyenas will inhabit her strongholds, jackals, her luxurious, luxurious palaces. Her time is at hand and her days will not be prolonged. Again, this sounds exactly like the passages in Isaiah talking about Babylon's final destruction when it will be completely destroyed and no people will live in it, it will become just where animals go. And it sounds like right now, if you were to go to Chernobyl and Pripyat in, in uh, Ukraine, where uh, the Chernobyl nuclear disaster was, everyone had to leave. There was a nuclear exclusion zone and people that go back there now say that the animals have taken over. 
right? There's, there's no people hunting them. It's just kind of nature left to itself and no one wants to hunt the animals and eat them because, or, or get them for their fur or anything because they're radiated or they're afraid they're radiated. And so we, you know, we see places like this where nature will take back over. And that's what's being prophesied here is this thing is going to be so wiped out and people won't even want to go there that the animals will completely take back over any, any of the, the buildings, anything abandoned that's left, the animals will take back over. So this is one of the places where Isaiah gets very challenging, right? Because we're seeing that, you know, we're talking about the Medes and the Persians and we know that in Isaiah, Isaiah's day, we know that that's future for him, but we know looking back that that happened. But part of this has not happened. Part of this is still yet future. And part of it lines up almost perfectly with the way Revelation describes the fall of Babylon. In the book of Isaiah, we have a lot more prophecies against Babylon, against Assyria, against all of these places. We're going to get into them, but this is where we're really starting to get into what is Isaiah prophesying about and, and pulling these things apart. But as we do this, and as you read the book of Isaiah over and over and over again, I highly encourage you to do it. Add to that at some other time, you know, reading the books of Chronicles and Kings and Samuel and reading the book of Revelation and and even Jeremiah, start reading all of these things. And, and the more you read them, the more it all ties together and makes sense. The more all of these things are saying a lot of the same things. You put the puzzle pieces together. If you're brand new to this, if you're brand new to the podcast and you're just starting out in Isaiah, this is a challenging book to start with. It really is. But it's a good one to know. It's a good one to know the words of the Lord that he's spoken. Some of the words that he's spoken, some of these prophecies are things that Isaiah was speaking of that were happening happening at the same time contemporarily to Isaiah. Some of the things Isaiah was prophesying about, and they were future for him, but they're in the distant past for us. Some of those things he was prophesying about Jesus coming the first time, which is still in the future for him in a distant past for us, but a little bit less distant than like Babylon and Assyria and Persia and all of those things and the Greeks. And then some of the things have even begun happening during the last couple of generations. And some of the things are still yet to come. Going through these things and helps to have a little bit of understanding of the history, what's going on. My goal in the book of Isaiah is not to give you all of the answers. It's to give you enough of the answers, enough of the history, the things that we know, to keep you going, to keep you engaged. I want to be your cheerleader. I want to champion you reading through Isaiah 10 times in 10 weeks. Just getting the words of God in you over and over and over again. It all becomes clear as we draw close to him and we get his word in us, we hide it in our heart over and over again. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-week Bible study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.